0: You are listening to Cherry Picking Entertainment. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andre Cherry, your host of the Cherry Pickin' Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading another episode of the show. I'm pumped that we are now in week seven of the college football season. I'm a little excited, I'm a little sad. I mean, we're more than a little over halfway done with this college football season, which is crazy to think about because I feel like we've waited so long for the season to get here every single year. But then when the season kicks off, the weeks just slip by quickly. I mean, it's crazy. We're already week seven, but I'm thrilled to be here. Thrilled to see another day. I'm blessed that you are listening to this episode. And let's just dive right in. Week seven, we'll start off my locks like I normally do. So my top five locks for power five action within college football will start in the ACC. I'm taking number four Clemson over Florida State. I'm taking Clemson over a much improved FSU team this weekend. The Tigers coasted to an easy 31-3 victory over BC last weekend. And while the Tigers are going into hostile territory this weekend to Tallahassee, I expect them to remain unbeaten after this weekend. But I gotta give a big shout out to the Seminoles though. They battled a wounded NC State team last weekend and they should have won in my humble opinion. I thought they were going to win that game for sure. NC State pulled it out. And sometimes that's the mark of a good team. Grinding out wins. They can't all just be blowouts. Sometimes you gotta kind of battle your way in a game. And and NC State came back in that game against Florida State. Would I have preferred a blowout? Oh, for sure. But I'll take a win because a win is a win. But when Devin Leary left the field last weekend injured, I was worried when his backup Jack Chambers entered the game. He was a, a backup I think a walk-on I thought I heard during the, the broadcast last weekend. He went o for one passing, but kept the offense moving along. He had drives that kept the offense uh, churning. They got first downs. He, went, he had seven rushes for 37 yards in that game. I'm, I'm a little concerned that Jack Chambers either wasn't comfortable throwing the ball against Florida State, or if he has the ability to even do so. I don't know. But it has me concerned that Dave Doran is going to leave the program because why don't you have another capable quarterback waiting in the wings? Not everyone bolts to the transfer portal. Like you've got to have somebody that is a capable backup to Devin Leary. And while Devin Leary hasn't looked like himself this season, he had a lot of hype to his name this season in the preseason for a potential Heisman front runner. He has not looked well this season, and it concerns me that his backup isn't able to throw the ball or doesn't hasn't shown the ability to throw the ball. And maybe that was a game plan just to grind it out last week against Florida State, eat up the clock, get the win, get out, you know, and, and secure Uh, I think they are now, what, like 17 home games they've won in a row or something, something crazy like that, 14 maybe. But I'm concerned that Dave Doran is going to leave the program because Devin Leary isn't going to stay next year. He's gone. So, what were you going to do? Recruit somebody in? Like, who is waiting in the wings to be your quarterback? It just concerns me that Dave Doran thought this would be the team that is going to do it, that's going to get him to where he wants to be. And I've said it before I'm worried about him bolting to Wisconsin. I think some people think that that might not be a possibility just because Jim Leonard is kind of waiting in the wings. He's the interim coach right now at Wisconsin. It just concerns me. Why would Wisconsin fire Paul Crist? You didn't have to fire him after that game to Illinois. You could have probably waited at the end of the season. But I'll uh, save that for another discussion. But anyways, I think Dave Doran, he's looking to leave. Because why else don't you have a quarterback who's able to throw the ball? I am actually concerned this weekend. They play Syracuse. Uh, That concerns me greatly. NC State won the game last week against Florida State on the legs of Christopher Dunn. He kicked four field goals, including a 53-yarder early in the fourth quarter. And the go-ahead 27-yard score with about 6 minutes and 33 seconds left in the game. So... NC State survives, but I'm concerned this weekend when you plan a hungry Syracuse team. Maybe I'll talk about it a little bit later on because this was not about NC State. This wasn't about Florida State. My lock in the ACC for Week 7, Clemson over Florida State. Then in the Big Ten, I'm taking Maryland over Indiana. I have actually been impressed with Maryland this season. The Terps are 4-2 and two right now, and the two losses they had this season were against Michigan and then Purdue, those were all close defeats. If there's any moral victory there, I mean, they were they were close games. I think Maryland gets an opportunity this weekend against Indiana to get the offense and defense on the same page and hopefully put up some big yards and numbers. This should be a good victory for the Terps against a very bad Indiana team who has lost the last three games by an average of 18 points per game. Then, in the Big 12 I'm taking number 19 Kansas over Oklahoma. That's right. I'm taking a ranked Kansas team over Oklahoma. Even though Oklahoma is favored by 7.5 points, I I don't think it really matters in this game here. I'm, I'm taking the Jayhawks over the Sooners, and can you believe that I'm actually saying that on a podcast in 2022? I'm taking Kansas in football over Oklahoma. If this were a year ago, you probably would stop listening to this podcast you would laugh me off twitter like that's how in what world does Kansas have a shot against Oklahoma well in this world in 2022 Kansas has looked really good Oklahoma has imploded they they are regressing hard Kansas's offense is explosive they they put up close to 40 points per game if you can believe it or not i was impressed that they were able to hang with TCU last weekend In a game that really went down to the wire, TCU ended up winning that 38-31, but I did not think TCU would struggle against Kansas. Kansas has been a good story. They're the darlings of college football this season, certainly. I just didn't think Kansas had enough to match TCU's offense and that defense has looked well this season, but Kansas hung in there, almost got the victory, 38-31 loss. The Sooners, like I mentioned before, they are regressing pretty bad right now. They've lost the last three games by an average score of twenty nine points, if you can believe it or not. Even worse, they lost the Red River rivalry game to Texas 49 nothing. I think Kansas wins this game. This is a, the great this is a great time, a great opportunity to get Oklahoma while they're down. I think that they will win this game. The Jayhawks will by at least two touchdowns. I'm calling it right now. They will win by at least two scores. And If we look at Oklahoma real quick, again, they had that 3 and 0 start with new head coach Brett Venables. Oklahoma has its first three-game losing streak since 1998, if you can believe it or not. The Sooners lost 5 in a row that season, including an 0 and 4 start in Big 12 play before a 29-0 loss to Texas A&M, which was their last shutout until last Saturday. Is not good to lose to Texas, and it's not good to get beat up by Texas that badly. That's That was an eyesore. Their largest shutout loss in school history had been 47-0 to Oklahoma State in 1945, but this 49-0 loss to Texas supersedes that, so that is pretty rough. They are probably at the bottom right now. Kansas, again, I think will get a victory over the Sooners. In the Pac-12, I'm taking California over Colorado, three and two California team over a winless 0 and five Colorado Buffalo squad. That's pretty easy there. In the SEC, taking Ole Miss over Auburn. Lane Kiffin has his ninth-ranked Ole Miss Rebels team balling out this season. The team is currently six and zero, and I expect them to be seven and zero after its matchup against a struggling Auburn team. This game will be ugly. So one more time, I run it. Run it down for you, my top five straight up locks within the Power Five conferences for Week Seven in in the ACC, Clemson over Florida State, in the Big Ten, Maryland over Indiana, in the Big Twelve, Kansas over Oklahoma, in the Pac Twelve, California over Colorado, in the SEC, Ole Miss over Auburn. So there we have it, my friends. Those are my picks for this weekend. After this short break, we'll talk about Alabama and Ohio State and also preview some of the top matchups for Week 7 action. Don't go anywhere. The Cherry Pickin' Podcast will be right back.
0: Basketball is back. And with that comes joy, tension, heartbreak, buzzer beaters, and elation. It's time to be courtside for every one of those moments, no matter where your team is playing. Short court specializes in making replica and custom basketball courts for your home, office, sports cave to decorate your walls with all those memories. If you have a picture, we can recreate it. Featured in the 2021 Uniwatch Holiday Gift Guide, short courts are made using real wood, we frame and give them an epoxy finish to protect the new centerpiece of your memorabilia collection with previous customers including northern kentucky university southern utah university 19.9 apparel the perimeter podcast with adam morrison and many more celebrating the careers and retirements of their coaches it's time you visit shortcourts.com for more info in a gallery of our work or you can send us an email info at shortcourts.com be sure to find us on social media just search for shortcourts it's time to bring the home court home
1: Wanna know what life is really like after the game's all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, Join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. On this side of the break, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about Alabama and Ohio State. Those are the two remaining teams that I thought at the preseason would make it to the postseason season to be in the college football playoffs. NC State was a team that I thought highly of. I still still love them, of course. They're my Wolfpack. But at 5-1, and one, it doesn't seem likely that they will have enough luck on their side to surpass Clemson in order to get one of those spots in the playoffs. Iowa was another team that I was high on this season just because of the fact that the Big Ten West is always so open. This year, it's wide open, but... Iowa's offense is atrocious, even though that defense is playing at a really high level. A 3-3 three and three Iowa squad is certainly not going to make it to the playoffs. So we don't need to talk about those two teams. But I do want to mention real quick about Alabama. I think really highly of them. They are 6-0 and through six weeks. Now, I give credit to Texas A&M last week for giving Alabama a scare. I thought for sure Bama would beat the brakes off of the Aggies, but boy was I wrong. Bama won 24 20, but the game was marked by the Tide's inability to hold on to the ball. They had four turnovers in this game, including three fumbles. Bama's backup quarterback, Jalen Milroe, navigated the game well in Bryce Young's absence. The freshman signal caller went 12 for 19 for 111 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. But it seems likely that Bama will lose at least one game this season, maybe two. This weekend's matchup against Tennessee might be that game. Bryce was cleared last week for the AM game, but the team kept him out to nurse his injured shoulder. I would expect he will play this weekend against Tennessee, though I have not seen anything about his status, but I would assume this big-time game that he'll be ready to go. Bama's defense is going to have to slow down a volunteer's offense that puts up the second-most points in college football at 46.8 points per game. The reason I think Bama will lose at least one game this season, maybe two, they have had some some close scares. Texas was a, a scare, certainly. This game against an A&M team that I don't even think is in the same league as Bama gave them this type of a scare. I know Bryce Young was hurt, but still, Texas AM and m should not have been in this game. Credit to Jimbo Fisher, credit to that team for stepping up in this this big, pivotal matchup in the SEC. But I just think that Alabama is is probably due for a loss here, if I'm being honest, if I'm being for real. I think Tennessee is that perfect game. The Volunteers have a chance at home to beat Bama in, in what would be one of the biggest stories in college football, that Tennessee came back. They're back at a high-level playing uh, the game of football in the SEC where we've we've seen them be dominant in the 80s and the 90s, but it's been a long time coming this season to see Tennessee play at a high level and to be ranked so highly. So this is a good opportunity for Tennessee to do the unthinkable. This matchup against Alabama this weekend, it's, it's called the third Saturday in October, which pits Alabama and Tennessee together. It's an American college football rivalry game that's played annually by these two teams It's given this name third Saturday in October because the game was traditionally played at such a date prior to the 1992 football season when the SEC split into the East and West Divisions. So from 95 to 2015, it was only scheduled for that date six times though. It was scheduled for that date from 2016 through 2019 and 2022. Alabama leads the series with 58 wins to 37 losses and eight ties. Tennessee has beaten Alabama more times than any other program. However, Bama is currently riding a 15-game win streak over Tennessee. This weekend's matchup pits two top 10 teams against one another. Bama is number three, while Tennessee is number six. This game is in Knoxville this weekend. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I wish I could be down there for it. One of these years, I'm going to get down to a Tennessee game because it just looks so beautiful, all that orange and white. So this is a, it's a big time game for Alabama. This is a big test I think in my opinion. Like I said, Tennessee puts up the second most points in college football at 46.8 points per game. So it's Bama, Bama's defense is going to have to play at a high level. That offense is going to have to bring it as well. Certainly if Bryce Young is playing in the game, they have they have a shot for sure. But I just think Bama is ripe for an upset and it could come this weekend. It really could. Ohio State, another team that I, I'm high on this season. They're 6-0. and Now, I mentioned previously that Tennessee puts up the second most points in college football, which is only behind, yes, that's right, you guessed it, the Ohio State University. The Buckeyes offense has been unreal this season. They're putting up close to 50 points per game. 50! 50, 50 points per game. They currently post a 48.8 points per game through six weeks. The Buckeyes offense has been just playing balls out this season. Last week against Michigan State, Ohio State put up 614 yards of total offense while holding the Spartans to only 202 yards. OSU outrushed Michigan State 237 to only seven yards. Damn. Golly. Golly. Quarterback CJ Stroud, he threw for 361 yards and six touchdowns for Ohio State, he and he only had one interception. Ohio State should run buckshot through its remaining schedule this season. The team is currently on a bye this weekend, getting some rest. But in a couple weeks, they travel to Happy Valley to play Penn State. That won't be an easy win by no means. But with the amount of offense OSU is putting up, I am not overly concerned. The only other challenge remaining on the schedule is against Michigan, which comes at the end of the season. And I'm sure the Buckeyes will have revenge on their minds for that contest. So Ohio State has an easier path to victory, an easier path to the playoffs this season certainly than Alabama does. But good God, they are putting up some unreal numbers offensively. So those two teams are rolling, and I'm excited to see what they can do or what Alabama can do this weekend against Tennessee. That's going to be a big time matchup. Real quick here, uh, did want to talk about Matt Rule getting fired from the NFL. He was with the Panthers. He is going to be a hot commodity on the college football market. I've already heard it. You probably already hear it as well. Nebraska, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech—those are some openings that could be appealing to a Matt Rule. I think long term, if if someone can get that Nebraska thing right, Nebraska has got the money. They've got the resources. Like that, that could be a good thing to be the one responsible for getting Nebraska back to competing at Nebraska football at, at a level that they've expected through its history, through its storied history. Wisconsin is also an appealing job. They've got the resources. It's a, I think the pieces are still in place at Wisconsin to be successful and, and, and pick that up more quickly. So Nebraska is more of a long-term thing. Wisconsin is in a better spot, certainly, compared to Nebraska. I think Georgia Tech is an underrated job because Georgia Tech has some talent on that roster. Jeff Collins recruited well while he was there. He's got some athletes. I think they're currently riding a two game win streak right now. So I don't know that the player, I don't know, so I don't know that the problem is necessarily a lack of talent. You just need the right coach that can come in there and infuse a winning culture. And we know Matt Rule can do that. He's done that at Temple, he did that at Baylor. Georgia Tech might be the most appealing job because you could, you could win in the Coastal right away. Like the Coastal isn't a runaway for any team. I know Pittsburgh has played very well. North Carolina is playing well this season right now. Georgia Tech could be a player in the mix, could be competition next season if a Matt Rule wants to take that opportunity and, and play in the ACC. You know, he's close to Charlotte. So, I mean, geographically speaking, not much of a, a lift for him to go to Georgia Tech, to, to Atlanta, compared to going to a Lincoln, Nebraska. But I think Nebraska, if they find the right guy and can change that thing around, can turn it around, Nebraska is probably the the top job, in my opinion, long-term. So a lot of ifs, uh, but we'll see what happens. And it's kind of funny that the Panthers fired him now because he has an opportunity now to go to all these schools to interview while other teams are playing. These teams have a head start on the Matt Rule lottery if if they choose to uh, hire him. It's crazy to me that Matt Rule is still owed, I think, north of a $40 million buyout, which is crazy. He was fired less than three years into a, the seven-year deal. So it was a $62 million contract Matt Rule was given in January 2020 to turn the Panthers around. But after they lost to San Francisco this past weekend, 37-15, to 15, The organization decided to go in another direction and Matt Rule is fired. He's going to find a a nice job in college and he's still going to get paid $40 million. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be a coach at the college level or NFL level? If you're successful in college, can make that jump to the NFL. We know that college coaches usually don't pan out in the NFL, but damn, to make that money and not have to do any work, that's insane. That is insane. And Matt Rule is a good coach. I, Folks think highly of him here in Philly, the way that he turned Temple around. So he'll land on his feet. But I'm just saying, damn, you don't have to do any, any work. You got fired from the job and you still get that money? That's life-changing money? Good golly. I, I'm, I'm curious to see where he lands up and where he ends. I mean, Like I said, Georgia Tech could be appealing, but maybe he doesn't want to follow a, a former Temple coach to Georgia Tech. Jeff Collins just got fired. I don't know if Matt Rule wants to go there as well. For some reason, I think Nebraska is really appealing, and I could see him there. But we'll see how it all shakes out. Real quick, we'll get out of here. we got some top seven matchups I want to spit out to you. Number 15, NC State versus number 18, Syracuse. I know a lot of people were upset that NC State dropped one spot with Wake Forest in the polls last weekend. They flip-flopped. Wake Forest blew the brakes off of Army. They got rewarded by moving up one spot to 14. NC State fell. This is going to be a big-time matchup. I'm really worried uh, about this game, honestly. Truthfully, I have not been impressed by NC State, and I'm hoping for a good win against Syracuse. Syracuse has benefited from a a pretty easy start to their season. Um, I mean, let's be for real here. They're undefeated right now, but their schedule... Gets a lot tougher this back half of the season. It starts with NC State. NC State, this would be a great victory if you can get it. Syracuse is gonna come bring it, and I'm excited to watch that game. I'm hoping that the Wolfpack can hold it out and beat Syracuse, but that's a top matchup in the ACC. We've also got North Carolina five and one versus Duke four and two. These two basketball schools are playing well right now within uh, the ACC race, so we'll uh, we'll have to see how it all shakes out there. Certainly got number 8 Oklahoma State versus number 13 TCU. Both of these teams are undefeated in the Big 12. This is a big pivotal matchup for the standings. I'm excited to see what happens. A lot of offense here. Oklahoma State can put it up for sure and put up the points. TCU has been playing well as well. I would give the edge to Oklahoma State in this matchup. I just think that they have enough firepower and defense to to pull it out, but I'm sure it won't be a lack of offense in that matchup. Then we've got number 10, Penn State, versus number 5, Michigan. Michigan scores the 7th most points in FBS at 43 points per game, while holding opponents to only 11.3 points per game, which is 5th best in college football. So offense and, and defense, they're pretty well-rounded group at Michigan. Penn State, we've seen them play really well this season. I'm, that Auburn game sticks out in my mind as a, as a game where Penn State really dominated on defense. They hold opponents to 14.8 points points per game which is 13th best in FBS so this weekend could very well be a battle of the defenses against Penn State versus Michigan I think it'll be a close game I don't think we'll have a lot of offense in that game if I'm being honest and both of those teams are undefeated so I mean it's a big big game for the Big Ten East race certainly then we've got Minnesota 4-1 versus Illinois 5-1 for the Big Ten West Illinois won a defensive slugfest at home against Iowa. It was 9-6, but in that matchup, they had some key injuries, uh, including senior quarterback Tommy DeVito, sophomore wide receiver Isaiah Williams, sophomore defensive back Tavion Nicholson, and senior linebacker Isaac Darkangelo. Coach Brett Bielema doesn't believe that those injuries were season-ending, so we'll have to see day by day how these players uh, recover and if they will be in the game this weekend against Minnesota. I haven't seen any indication that they are or are not playing, so we'll have to stay tuned for that. But I am really excited to see what these two teams' running backs can do this weekend. Chase Brown leads all FBS ball carriers with 879 yards, followed by Minnesota's Mohamed Ibrahim, who ranks in the top five of all Big Ten rushers at 567 yards. So this could be a slugfest offensively on the ground And I'm excited to see how these two running backs perform this weekend. It should be a good game. This is a pivotal race in the Big Ten West. Illinois is playing really well. Minnesota is playing well also. So I'm excited to see how that matchup shakes out. In the Pac-12, we got number 7, USC versus number 20, Utah. USC is undefeated. Utah has had a few losses uh, on its its resume this season. But that is a good Utah team. They're a good team, certainly. They got clipped by UCLA last weekend. But USC, I'm ready to see if, they're, if they truly are for real. I mean, this is a big-time game. See if USC can outstand and outlast the Utes. But they've been playing really well. They're undefeated this season, so they're looking good. UCLA and USC are looking really good. That's got to be exciting if you're a Pac-12 fan or even a Big Ten fan because these two teams will be coming there fairly soon here. So there we have it, my friends. That is my podcast episode for week seven action. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you have fun watching college football this Saturday. There are a lot of good games this weekend. We are in the thick of the season. We are in the middle of the season. I'm excited. Hope you have a good seat on the couch. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And I'll holler at you soon. Take care, everybody. Peace. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Pickin' Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickinsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.